Hey, everybody. This is uh, Jonathan Martin, co-host of Game Life Balance US, a podcast about uh, video games. And today we're going to do a full gamer episode of a game that we've actually uh, we've talked about before. So it's going to be a little bit probably different than our normal full gamer episodes. This is my co-host, Cody Goff. Hello, I'm John's co-host, Cody Goff. And you may know that we have, in a, first of all, thank you for joining us for the Saturday morning edition of, of our podcast. I have always liked the morning recording because I wake up so early that when we record at night around your schedule, not only do I have to carry the podcast, but I have to do it with like low energy. So now I'm caffeinated. It's like the morning. I feel really good. So I feel like it's just going to be better. It's going to be better for everybody. I like Saturday morning because you have little kids screaming in the background. That's that actually makes, a kazoo. It's a kazoo. Oh, is it? Yeah. That makes me feel like we have an audience. We do have an audience. Uh, they don't really like our podcast, though, they told me. Oh. My wow. own son told me he doesn't like my podcast. It's it's whatever. So you may know that we have an affinity for Final Fantasy games here on the podcast. We've talked about all of them, most of them, all of a them. A lot of them. All of them at some point or another. And one of the one of the Final Fantasies that I had yet to play was the third in the Final Fantasy 13. Your hair is going to suck no matter what. My hair looks majestic this morning. There's so much gel. Back to you, John. It, one that I had never played was the third in the Final Fantasy 13 series, Lightning Returns. So Cody had actually done an entire podcast on this before, and it was before we kind of had our, our current setup of episodes. So you can actually go find it. I believe it was a, it wasn't even a Game Life Balance episode. It might have been a... It was unqualified. unqualified yeah. It was an unqualified gamers. It was probably one of the last few unqualified gamers episodes that we did. It was actually, I reviewed this March 13th, 2014. Today is March 11th, 2017. So almost four years ago to the day, I reviewed this. Uh, I reviewed Lightning Returns. Although then again, there was a follow-up and I, I kind of discussed it more on April 17th. So I'll, I'll post links to both of the episodes. You know, it's funny. The second, so the first time I reviewed Lightning Returns in, in March four years ago, I talked mostly about the storyline and you made fun of me for the storyline. Mm -hmm. And then on April, it was... Here's how old this is going to make us feel. In April 2014, it was our first ever live Google Hangout. Wow. That's our first ever. That's incredible. So there's a ton of, I actually listened to the first half of it last week. There's, we just talk to the audience a ton and take a bunch of random listener questions. And then eventually I talk about the actual game. That's awesome. So I'll, I'll have links to both of those in the description of this podcast. But for now... It's your turn. Yeah. So I this I had bought this game on a Steam. It was either on a Steam sale or a Square Enix sale. I don't, it could have been like a year ago. And it's just been kind of been sitting in my Steam library. And I finally was kind of between games. So it was a good opportunity for me to start something new. Most of the time, I like to play something I've never played before. Occasionally, like right now, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII again. Again? Well, I've been meaning to read play it and we started it like that one time where, where you guys were up here maybe last year got out of midgar and i just picked up that save again i've been playing that a bunch but i hadn't played lightning returns so i said to myself okay i'm 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 at a perfect opportunity now to play this game there was a lot of 
there was a lot of kind of uh, scuttlebutt about how it was an interesting game when it came out. There, it was pretty divisive because it seemed so different from anything Final Fantasy had done before. And then there were a lot of people that were like, what is this? This is a really weird game. And I remember you talking about it. And when I didn't have context of the game because I hadn't played it myself, it sounded ridiculous. The game sounded simply ridiculous. Now that I played the game and I have the context of playing the game, the game is ridiculous. It is just completely ridiculous. But it does some really unique and interesting things for the franchise and specifically for like the genre of Japanese role-playing games that um, I, I actually am, I'm, there's, there's stuff in there that I really like. I don't think I like the game. <laughs> but there's stuff in it that I really like. So let's talk about it. So you could see things, you could see why other people would like it. Well, there's, I mean, there's stuff that, that I do like about it, but, but generally, I think, I think some of the more major flaws of the game are bad enough that I think that they carry, that they, they, they detract enough from the game that it ends up being a game that I don't, I don't like. And unfortunately, and I'll talk about this, it seems like the kind of game where the second playthrough of it would be a much better experience than the first playthrough of it. And it's really unfortunate that it's structured that way. I can so, agree with that. Yeah, it, well, that, and that's unfortunate because you want, like, I, you, you, there are so many video games and there's only going to be more and they're only coming out more quickly. And, and a game that kind of by default is going to be somewhere between 20 and 30 hours asking you to play it more than one time is, that's kind of a big ask. Uh, and it, it, especially when it means that you would have seen everything the game has to offer the first time around, then asking to basically just do it all again and to have a better experience with the game, I don't think that that's necessarily fair. Also, if you played this game with a strategy guide, and again, I'll talk about this a little bit later, if you played this game with a strategy guide, you could get the best playthrough on your first playthrough. But not everybody's going to have a strategy guide open when they're playing this game. Did In you? fact... Most, I did not. In fact, most people probably won't have a strategy guide open when they play any game for the first time, I would think. So this this is your problem. I, also, can I just say before you get into it, in the yeah. chat, in the YouTube chat, we just got a comment from Vintage Gamer of Nor that said, long time, good to see you two still going strong and still talking about Final Fantasy Thirteen. Well, like I said, we this is kind of what we do. <laughs> so, okay. So let's talk, let's talk about Final Fantasy Lightning Returns. So like I said, the first time that you brought up this game, you put the story first. And, <laughs> and that, that's good, right? Um, I feel like, I feel like, and I may have made fun of it when you talked about it, but th the story, in my opinion, is actually the strongest aspect of this game. I think that it is so interesting. And I don't know if you didn't do it justice when you were explaining it, or just it is that kind of difficult to explain the more interesting aspects of it. But I think that it is the most interesting part of the game. Okay. 
I don't know if you feel the same way. It's so it's extremely unique. Yeah, and maybe not necessarily the story, but just the world that the game creates. So Cody talked about this, and I'm 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 going to probably reference that up the this first podcast that we did a couple of times because we have it done. But we'll assume that most people haven't heard my version from four years ago. Sure. So the 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 world building is, I think one of the most fascinating things. So the game, the context of this game is that it takes place 500 years after the events of the second game. And Final Fantasy XIII 2 ends, I guess it's kind of a cliffhanger. Basically, the main character collapses and dies that you're playing as in the second game. And this weird kind of mist in the third game, they call it chaos, kind of filters in at the end of the game to, to the world. It overtakes the entire world as like this big cloud of noxious gas. And in the third game, you find out it's called chaos, but you're, you as the main character in the second game die at the end of it. And you are the sister of Lightning, who is the main character in both Final Fantasy 13 and Final Fantasy 13 3, Lightning Returns. So it's 500 years later and some really weird stuff has happened. So um, the, the entire world for the entire world, time has stopped. So you're 500 years later, time has stopped. And when they say time has stopped, the context of that is people, people still can kind of go about their daily business. They still live day to day, but nobody is aging. Everybody is kind of stuck at the age in which they live. The days pass, but nothing happens. People can't die of old age anymore, but they can still die of anything else that can normally kill a human. So disease war, that kind of thing. And um, that 500 years, I think, is really important because time stopped 500 years ago. When your character died at the end of Final Fantasy XIII 2, time stopped. And if the game had just picked up immediately, I don't think it would have been nearly as interesting of a world. But you now are living in a world where for 500 years, people have not been able to age. So... This is now an established world that people are trying to figure out kind of like what to do, right? Because if you if you take a step back for a second and try to put yourself in that situation, what that would be like to live for for 500 years at, I don't know, your current age. Like at some point there, you, you would probably enter some sort of existential crisis, I would think. Because I'm sure that there's a lot of like, why, why am I... Like, why am I even bothering to live anymore? What, like, what would I, I, what am kind of like, what am I doing here? Why do I continue to, to try and live? Like, there's no, there's no like objective for me anymore as a person, right? So like, it, it's a really interesting, to me, it's a really interesting setup for this world. Couple this with the, the entire population of the planet has also been informed now that in 13 days, the, the God that created the world is going to end the world. He's going to harvest all of the souls of all of the people that are left, create a new world, and put all of those souls into the new world. And you will be basically reborn as a person in a new world where, where time will continue. The reason why he has to do this, why God has to do this, is because this chaos that moved in at the end of the second game that has been destroying the world that stops time this this god didn't have control over it and it basically destroyed it basically destroyed his creation so he needs to he needs to remake it this world is not is obviously not um 
set in a similar universe to our own. Like the people, it's more like a Greek mythology. To me, there's, there's multiple gods. People can interact with them. The gods intentionally interact with the people. Uh, so it, it's just, it's, it's definitely like a different, a different thing, but it's a super, to me, it is a super interesting world because of that. And the game is all about, it just kind of puts you down into the game and it says, okay, there are, there are these five pockets of you. Okay. So first of all, you as lightning have been ordained as the savior of the world. God in this in this case the god, god is named Bunavelza which is a ridiculous name but god basically said okay lightning i'm going to make you the savior of the world and it is your job to i can't just save these people's soul souls somebody somebody has to do it for me because we can't save these people's souls unless we kind of f- fulfill them first otherwise i can't harvest them and 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 make them in the new world. So I need you to go out and do that for me. So God gives you this power to be the savior and you go down and the game says, okay, there are lots of souls you can save, but there's these five souls. Big surprise. They're people that you've seen before in the series, but there's these five souls that are particularly important that are particularly they they are particularly entrenched in this chaos that need to be that 100% need to be saved they are they are the most important souls to god why they don't really say they just say that they are the they, they're most they're the most important souls to god for god and so you are then allowed to go and find these five souls throughout the entire world at at your leisure, right? Like you can do it in any order that you want. So the game is by far more open than any other Final Fantasy game that I've played because you are allowed to basically take on these five different main quests in whatever order you want. That's unusual. Uh, Most most Final Fantasy games, maybe all all of them, follow some sort of linear storyline. This one, really, it doesn't have one. Um, it it's basically like a big playground, and then the very end of the game funnels you into kind of the final part of the game. That's it. By in its in itself, that is such a large departure from the the overall general Final Fantasy experience that I could um, I could see that immediately turning some people off to this because it would be it is so unlike any other game in the series. Well. With an open world structure like that, that's so nonlinear and that allows you to do things in whatever order you want, there's the risk that it's not done well and that you're not given enough guidance. And I'm experiencing this right now with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Nintendo has, and I'm not going to talk much about it, but I'll just say Nintendo did an exceptional job of letting the reins loose and they say, Go wherever you want, do whatever you want. But there's kind of a general idea of maybe where you could go here or there to, to kind of progress forward. Whereas Final Fantasy 15 did an absolutely terrible job of that, where they told you black and white, here's what to do next, here's what to do next. But the side quests weren't done in a way that it really rewarded you for doing anything out of order or for doing any side quests at any point, really. So it's a, it's a delicate balance. And, and I thought... My challenge in playing in Lightning Returns, if I recall correctly, was there's a bit of a lack of guidance at the beginning that kind of does over... For me, it overwhelms me a bit. 
And I looked around and I kind of went, I have no idea where to go. So I don't know if you encountered that challenge where you start and you're looking around and you're like, what the hell? Well, I think part of it is is what your expectation as a person that is coming to Final Fantasy to a Final Fantasy game brings brings with you. So generally, you don't assume you're going to get this kind of open world game. You don't get the game starts. You go through a couple cutscenes. You go through some tutorials, and then and then you just kind of empty out into a city, Luxarion, and you just go and it says okay here here's like there's five there's five quests there's five people that you're going to have to eventually figure out how to solve these these quests then there's going to be all these side quests but you you just go like you just go and talk to people and do whatever you want so there is a general lack of guidance but with those main quests once i started down those paths they kind of lead you around the different areas because you have to hit kind of all of the different areas. And as you're going, I think you uncover enough of the side quests that while the game doesn't say, go here, now go here, now go here, it leads you enough through those main quests to unlock enough of the side quests that you get enough done. Because I was able to, by going by going and doing all of the main quests, I got enough side quests done that I, I did get like the final extra day which there's this extra day that you can unlock that gives you a bonus dungeon. And I was able to get that based just on kind of going through the game at my own pace. Without a strategy guide. Yeah. Because well, I just did all the I did as many side quests as I could. Mm-hmm. So and that's kind of I from what I understand, that's basically how you unlock the the final day. Sure. And you didn't have trouble then. So you you just adapted quickly? Yeah. I at first I was at first I was kind of the game was a little stressful. And the game is stressful because there's a time limit. We'll talk about that in just a second. But once I started and started unlocking all of the kind of all of the side quests, you just kind of look at your you you look at your journal a lot and you mark the map with the markers that they give you. And it it makes it a little easier to kind of plan your your routes to get stuff done. The game also introduces, like I just mentioned, a time mechanic. And okay. This is a big, it's a big thing. So open worlds are one thing. It's really easy to do an open world badly. Well done open worlds are are very difficult to do. There are many games that are, in my opinion, not good open worlds. This layers on this mechanic of a time limit. And it's, it is a legitimate hard time limit. If you get to the end of the, of the game and you do from what I understand, you if you don't have all of the main quests done and the time limit runs out, which is it's 13 total days, and the the time I think probably five minutes of real time is one hour in the game, but you can stop time from progressing forward. Um the time limit reaches zero the last day, and you haven't done all five quests and, and unlocked like the the last part of the game the game is is literally over and you have to restart the entire game which is a weird kind of stressful idea to introduce into a role-playing game that you expect to spend 20 plus hours with yeah because you get a game over after 20 hours and like right. you said there's no way to it, you'd have to go like you'd have to go back to an earlier save and figure out like a more efficient way to do things and etc so the that time limit imposes this, it's, it's an, like an artificial stress to play in the game. And I found it kind of wholly unnecessary 
there's there's a lot to do in the game, and I think I would have been more comfortable playing the game had I just been able to do everything at my own pace. It also makes it so that there's a there's a day-night cycle, because of course there is, but not only is there a day-night cycle, there's these there's basically an hour-to-hour cycle where you can only do certain things at certain hours of the day, which I found incredibly frustrating in a lot of the parts of the game because there would be an NPC that would give you a quest that that didn't tell you like when the quest could be done, didn't tell you what hours the NPC was available. You would just have to occasionally accidentally run into an NPC because you were there at the right time, you were passing by at the right time, and then try to go back and, and drop off a quest. Like I, I didn't realize that this one NPC was only there at night. So I went back to, what's the name of the second city? Isera or something like that. He, he, the, the second city, the, the festival city. Chicago? Sure, Chicago. There's a there's an NPC that's only there at nighttime. I had no idea. So I went back to that city three different three different days at different times and couldn't find the NPC that gave me this initial quest. Only later on to find, oh, it's because they're only there from four hours between like midnight and 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. But but they don't tell you that anywhere. And that is an incredibly huge frustration in a game that asks you to to dedicate like to figure out how to best use your time because if you run out of time the game is over so that was that is a very frustrating thing to me have you played the legend of zelda majora's mask i have not okay me neither wow blind spot we're not good gamers because i i know that things like that happen but in that game that that game you can rewind time you can rewind time to the start so it doesn't really matter but i'm wondering how good of a job they do in that game of telling you oh this you know, this person will appear between this hour and this hour, et cetera. But I, yeah, I, I think there's a similar, and I think there's a similar mechanic there where people are only available at certain hours as well. Absolutely, there is. I know that part, but I don't know how explicit yeah. they tell you. So a couple other things before I start talking about gameplay. Um, like I like I talked about the world building, there is there is this city that is based around a religion that you find out is actually trying to bring about the destruction of the entire human race, which is super interesting. I think it's actually really well done, that idea, because they're basically a, a cult of people that are defying God's will because they're they're basically saying, why have you put us in this situation where we're living for 500 years without aging? Like, you can't be a benevolent God if that's kind of the world that you've built. So they're, and they're the main story of the game. They're how the game wraps up. And so that's a really interesting thing that's happening in this one city. In this other city, they have created basically this hedonistic society of pleasure. So there's a bunch of restaurants that just serve like the best food that they can get. There's a giant party that happens every single night. That's probably, they don't explicitly say it, but it's probably like a big sex orgy. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's kind of what, if you step back and think about what, the implications of the world are of the world that they've created. It makes sense, which I think is super interesting. It makes sense that you'd have this city that was just like, well, we can't age. We can't like nothing can happen. So let's just go. Let's just go out with a bang every single night. Let's just get completely wasted. Cause what does it matter? Right? Let's have, let's have like sex with everybody because what does it matter? Like we, we can't age. We can't have kids. Like what are we living for? Right? So, the, like I said, there's just there's some really interesting implications to the world that they've built. 
Um, then there's these other two zones that are basically just, I don't know, wild land. One is literally called the wild lands. It's just a big foresty plains area. Then there's a big desert. I don't know. They're whatever. Those are just, they're, those are not nearly as interesting in my opinion. Um, so let's talk about gameplay. So can I just comment on the world building? Yeah. When I first presented this game and we talked about how ridiculous it is, I think that's in the context of it being a sequel and the level of departure it was from the prior games in the series. It's To me, it it's so left field to jump into. The first thing you see is basically you're Jesus. I mean, that can't be lost on any anyone, right? You are literally chosen by God to to help people go to the next world and be reborn. And and two, it's 500 years in the future. So, so you're 500 years in the future. You're suddenly and Jesus. just like in the Bible, Jesus fights God at the end in an epic battle of back and forth, good and good and evil struggle, of, just like of, in the Bible. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And it's also completely disconnected from the first two games. Sarah is the focus of Final Fantasy XIII's plot. Sarah is Lightning's sister, and you're trying to kind of save her. She's been trapped in a crystal. You're trying to save her. Right. Noah is her boyfriend. Fang is somehow involved. So there's all these characters that's cast, and that's their common goal. Final Fantasy XIII 2, you play as Sarah, and you're kind of trying to save Lightning a little bit, and you're going through this whole thing. And then at the end of the game, you abruptly, abruptly die and then Final Fantasy thirteen, It really does happen, kind of, yes. It's, it's, you have no idea that it's going to happen. Yeah, and it's just in the ending. And you and I hated that, if I recall correctly. I don't, remem- I don't remember exactly how I felt, but I think I probably did hate it, yes. Right. And then, so Sarah's the focal point, and then in Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy thirteen, you turn on the game, you're Jesus, and you have to save the souls of everyone, and there's no Sarah at all. Well, so, no, but, but Sarah is still a central portion to the story because, in fact, in fact, I disagree with you. I think that Sarah is... So Sarah is in the game as, as this weird character who kind of exists specifically to defy God. She's this weird, like... Um, She's got a different name. I can't even remember what she's called in the game, but she's she's wearing like a black dress and she doesn't call herself Sarah, but she's basically like Loki, the, the god of mischief. And she appears all over the game through all of these different quests, kind of screwing with you and screwing with the world and screwing with what God is trying to do. Oh, that's right. And, I remember. And lightning, and lightning is like, hey, who is this woman? But also God, like light, lightning wouldn't, if you know lightning, from the first game, Lightning wouldn't just do what was asked of her if there wasn't something in it for her. Like, Lightning's not going to be the savior unless there's unless she can get something out of it. So God actually told her, I will let you see Sarah again. I will bring Sarah back to life if you be the savior for me. So that's actually the the setup for, for Sarah and Lightning's relationship in this third game. Lightning is doing this for Sarah. That's why she's actually doing this. That's right. But it's not immediately apparent at the outset in that, like I said, the initial shock is if you played the first two games and you turn on this game, the first 10 minutes, you're looking and you go, what am I seeing right now? Literally, like the third cutscene of the game is them saying, God told me that he would let me see Sarah again if 
I was the savior. That, you know what? It's literally been like four the, years. It's like, the, it's like the third thing they tell you. You know what? It's been four years since I played this stupid game. All right. I don't remember things. So all I remember is what I've said thus far, which you validated is mostly true. It is mostly true. It does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It still is a departure. Even with Sarah as a central part of it, it still is a departure in that she's all that everyone's kind of gone there's no party you're not in a party anymore noel is nowhere to be found until he's a site he's an optional side quest i think no he's actually one of the five main quests he is one of the five all right that's fine but i i all right i get what you're saying in that i'm mostly wrong but i also get that i also get what i am saying in that i'm somewhat right because it still is way left field because you know, I know that, that I agree with. That I agree with. I agree that it is an incredible departure from the previous two games. And the, in fact, the 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 combat system isn't even cl- isn't even really close to what it was. Like, there's not there's nothing other than the characters that it shares and their kind of their attitudes. There's not really anything that is the same as the previous two games. Okay, so I'm right just for none of the reasons I said. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You were accidentally correct, which is impressive. That so let's right. yeah, let's talk about gameplay for a second. Um, so th- the previous Final Fantasy thirteen games, there's three in total. So the two the two before this one had had the same combat system. It was it was it it all it also reinvented the Final Fantasy combat system, which they kind of do from game to game. Generally, they do change change up a lot of things quite a bit from game to game, but they. They kind of pulled it back and they had characters kind of operate on their own a little bit and you kind of gave them an overall sense of what you wanted them to do, but then they would execute specific actions on their own. Kind of how it worked. Final Fantasy 13 takes all of that away and it gives you, not only does it give you direct, it gives you, so it gives you direct control of literally every action that you take in a way that in a way that is, it is, you have more control, I would say, in the combat of Final Fantasy 13 3, Lightning Returns, than you have in literally any other Final Fantasy game ever. The actions are one-to-one to your button presses, which it has never been like that before. Instead, you've always just, you know, in, in its most basic level, Final Fantasy has been pick an action from this menu, and then your character at some point will execute said action. You don't have control over how they execute it I and mean, they'll execute it the same way every time but you'll you'll pick what you want them to do and then when they're ready to do it they'll do it this is if you have the if you have like the stamina to execute an action if you hit the button lightning will execute that action it's like real time combat it's like real time combat including guards and parries it's Almost, it, well, it is. It's an action game. It's not an RPG in terms of traditional Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy combat, kind of mm-hmm. at all. It is, it is an actual action game. And initially, again, this, and I'm sure this, this stems from my expectations of the, of the series. Initially, I was kind of like, what the hell is this? This is so weird. And I was awful at it. It was, I was. <laughs> awful at it because you have to anticipate when an enemy is going to hit you like how their ability hits you and you have to guard at the right time if you really want to be good at the system like you can just guard you can just hold down the guard button and you can take damage off of attacks but if you time your guarding correctly not only do you guard more damage 
but you also stagger enemies, which is the way a lot of enemies have to be killed. So you, you have to get good at the system if you want to beat any of the harder enemies. So initially I was awful at it. As the game went on, I kind of felt like it was one of the strongest battle systems in any Final Fantasy game. Because it, it felt like more than anything, it didn't just reward you for putting more time into fighting more enemies. It rewarded you for getting good at the combat system. It was like getting good at a Devil May Cry game or getting good at God of War, which is something that is completely foreign to a Final Fantasy series. Is like getting good at the, at the actual execution of the combat. Super weird. Like, not at all, not at all what like, I was anticipating from from a Final Fantasy game. So I ended up really liking that towards the end. I still, here's the thing though, I still never got good enough to beat some of the harder enemies in the game. And I don't know if you had a similar experience, but I played the game for a very long time. I even unlocked like the most difficult, the most difficult dungeon in the game, the final dungeon, the last day. And I still never got good enough to beat like say, Earth Eaters on a regular basis, which was this stupid enemy that was stupid and like could eat you. It was dumb and really difficult. And if unless you guarded, unless you guarded perfect guards on his attacks, you couldn't kill it. So that was sad for me because I I basically would have needed to play the game again to I think get good enough at the combat system to take on some of the harder enemies. And there's a your stats don't increase, so you do get you do get stat increases, but they only come from quests that you complete. So you never, your character never evolves. Lightning never gets better at, at fighting just by fighting enemies. She has to do quests and side quests to get stronger, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I thought it worked fine, but it just doesn't incentivize fighting. So you, like, they incentivize fighting in different ways. Yeah, you, you get different things out of fighting i mean you get items certain quests require things yeah and and there is a finite number i'm sure you're about to talk about this the final the final ones final ones right yeah yeah so there's a finite number of each enemy type um and once they are exterminated you don't see them at all in the game anymore which is really interesting the final one is always much more difficult than the regular types of enemies of that type they also drop um, a very good item. They also drop items that allow you to up, upgrade your abilities, um, and then they disappear from the world. So if you beat enough of, if you beat like all of the final ones, you wouldn't ever actually see any more enemies in the game, which is really interesting. I mean, that's an interesting concept. Um, it actually also means there's a finite number of resources in the game, which is kind of kind of interesting. Not something you would normally expect from a role playing game. I think it works. I think that part works really well. I think that's a really interesting thing that I. I've never seen in a game before. I mean, it probably has existed in some other game, but it doesn't, I don't think it detracts from the game at all. I think it adds, I think it's interesting. And it does mean that if you continue to fight, because you don't have to fight in this game, you can, you can just do side quests and only fight. You could only fight what's necessary for side to complete side quests. That would be one way to play the game. But if you continue to fight, eventually, eventually you won't fight again. You won't need to fight again because enemies just won't appear anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. I liked that personally. I thought it was cool. It did there. It did mean that like earth eaters, for example, if I were to fight all of the earth eaters, which I couldn't even beat regular earth eaters, right? I wasn't good enough at the combat system to consistently beat regular earth eaters. If I had to try to fight the final one of those, it would have been dumb. You're so into earth eaters. 
All you talk about is Earth Eaters. They're the worst. Why don't you marry them? So the combat system, all really cool. It is literally everything else, though, about the way that upgrades and stuff work in this game that I think destroys destroys the game. So, And they do, and I will say, they do tell you how the game works in the codex of the game, which I do read. Like, I do read the codexes of, of games that I play. But it is not explained in any kind of tutorial, really. And it is not emphasized. But it is such, what I'm about to talk about, but it is such an important part of the game that I think it does an incredible disservice to this game that they don't that they don't talk about this more. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about the way that abilities are upgraded, and I'm talking about the way that like equipment is upgraded. So equipment is upgraded generally by um, by by buying it, and some shops are kind of unlocked at the start of the game because again the game the whole game is open. So you're going to these different shops and you're finding items, and a lot of them are like really expensive. But eventually you can fight enough enemies and sell enough stuff that you can that you can uh, un- unlock some of these stronger these stronger weapons and armor uh, and they can be equipped on your on your different you've got basically three different loadouts that you have equipped at any one time and each of those loadouts have a different weapon and armor and so you equip them based on strengths and weaknesses whatever it's interesting I think it works fine but so you're unlocking these weapons by like buying them the game doesn't tell you that better stuff is going to be available later. It doesn't tell you that. Yeah, I guess you can maybe assume that, but if you've never played the game before, I didn't. I didn't assume, because you you get in there and stuff, just to give you some context, you know, you, you'll fight an enemy and it drops you 200 money. And then 200 you go to, money? Sure. And then you go to it, well, this is for people that don't, if they haven't played Final Fantasy games before, they wouldn't know it's called Gil. You just, you drop 200 currency. You go to a shop, and on the first day, you can go to a shop, and the shop is selling an item that costs 360,000 money. Now, I look at that as a player and I'm like, well, it's going to take me a really long time to get that much money. Like a really long time. Like probably near the end of the game. So I bet that that's one of the best items in the game is this thing that costs 360,000 money. So I keep playing the game and I keep playing the game. And I, I, I'm freezing time here and there to give myself extend the amount of time that I have. And I'm killing all the monsters and everything. And it's like day six. And I go to the shop and it's still the same stuff in the shop. Literally nothing's changed. So I've gone through half of the half of the game and all the shops have the same stuff. So at this point, I'm saying to myself, okay, like this $360,000 thing, you've, you're, you're selling four things that cost that much money. So far, I've been able to afford one of them. So this has to be like the best stuff in the game. So I just need to, I just need to save up and buy these things. But randomly, you got near the end of the game, and all of a sudden, a bunch of better weapons became available that were significantly more expensive. So I got to the end of the game, and of like the there, I think there were four pieces of equipment that you could buy that would have been really good to have at the end of the game. I could afford one of them, and that was really frustrating because it wasn't explained anywhere. The other thing are upgrading abilities. So the way that the, the abilities work, God, this is such a dumb system. The way the abilities work, it's basically, it's basically like a free-to-play game on your phone. It's basically like WWE card, what card, whatever it's called. Super card? No, Where it's you how, feed what? cards to other cards to make the abilities better. Is, is that how that works? So basically, this game works that enemies drop abilities sometimes when they die. You find abilities in treasure chests and... When you get copies of the same ability, and and then the abilities go from uh, level like level one to level 
five, I think level five, maybe level four. And so they drop the enemies drop these abilities, and if you get two abilities of the same name, you can combine them. And eventually, if you combine enough of them, you then can use an item on them to increase the level of the ability to the next level. So if you get fire, and you get a bunch more fire... If you, you get can... fire level one, and you get a bunch more fire level ones, you can combine six of them together total. And you can't just combine six of them together. You have to do it one at a time, which is really dumb. So you have to combine one and then another one. Combine that and then another one. Combine that, and it's time-consuming and dumb. But yes, you combine like six of them together, and then it's at like max level for level one, and then you use an item on it, and it goes up to level two. And then you can combine a bunch of level twos, and they'll get to max level two, and you can combine it up to level three. Okay, that is not, that is not complicated. What is told to you in the codex, that's basically it, and is very easy to forget and is not emphasized, is that later on in the game, Enemies will just get organically harder. So a regular enemy will just get harder in a variety of ways, whether it be more health, more damage, etc. Maybe has different abilities. And also they'll drop better loot. And what that means is instead of dropping, say they drop fire level one, they'll drop fire level two. Maybe near the end of the game, they'll even drop fire level threes. So instead of having to get six level one fires and combining all six of those to get to a fire level two, and then getting and then getting six fire level twos and combining all of those to a fire level three, you could just get to the end of the game and get six fire level threes from these enemies that got harder while you were playing the game and then combine those to get it up to like a max rank fire. Now, what does this mean? Why was this frustrating? This was frustrating because I spent a lot of time freezing time because I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure how much I needed to get done and how much I could get done without freezing time. So I was constantly freezing time and playing the game. And I basically got, I don't know, six of the last ones defeated by day six or something like that. So I was never going to see those enemies again. That means I would never get those drops again. And then I got, I unlocked the final day. I found out that I could unlock the final day. And I started mucking around in the last dungeon. I basically, so basically I got a ton of stuff done by like day six. And then I didn't have anything to do because I didn't, I didn't know how to pace the game because I had never played the game before. So I got to day six. I had done everything that I wanted to do, everything that I needed to do, and I had unlocked the last day. And so I literally slept at the inn for six days in a row to get to the last day because I didn't have anything else to do because the game didn't do a good job of telling me how to pace myself. So I got to the last day and I unlocked the final dungeon. And oh, guess what? None of my abilities were strong enough to fight any of the stuff in the last dungeon. Because what the game expects you to do is have a more gradual pace, start fighting more enemies towards the last few days. It doesn't explain this anywhere. But what it expects you to do is fight more enemies towards the end of the game with the last few days, get some of the the stronger drops of the items and combine those to get the highest level of abilities. Again, it doesn't do any job of telling you that's what you should do. But that's what I understood once I got to the end of the game that I should have done the entire time, is wait until later in the game to do more of the quests, because that's where more of the better abilities would drop. The, the premise of the game talks about how chaos is taking over, and... I believe it's gradually expanding. So wouldn't you then extrapolate from that that 
as the chaos expands, there would be more powerful monsters and additional things happening in the last they, few days? Like I said, they only tell you that in the Codex. They only tell you that one time in the Codex if you read it. Otherwise, the context of the chaos expanding and getting worse is just that eventually it's going to overtake the world and the world's going to end. I think that you just didn't do a good job reading between the lines. It's literally one sentence in the codex. I went yeah, back and, and looked. You didn't read between the two lines. No, it's that not, sentence. It's, there's nothing to read between. It says it right there, but they don't emphasize it. Like it's not emphasized that like, it's not. So it tells you, yeah, better stuff will drop later, but it doesn't say also, you probably won't be able to complete the game unless you get some of these better items. So anyway, Regardless. Why would you think why would you think that this game is so with a such a challenging and rewarding combat system that you could do everything there is to do in six days when they allot you 13 days? Regardless. That is hubris. That is no, it's because I'm it's so good I, at this well, game. Because I continue, like I said, it's because I continued to freeze time in the game, which is something I don't think they expect you to do. Like the, they have so there's a mechanic where you can stop time for it's probably five minutes of real time. So like say you know that somebody's gonna be here at six a.m. from six a.m. to twelve p.m. and it's eleven fifty in the game. You can stop time, and I think that the stop time mechanic is intended to make it so that if you have those 10 minutes in game time that you need to get to somebody, that you can stop time and just get to them and get that done rather than have to wait an entire day and wait for the person to show up. I was using the stop time mechanic as just a way to, to stop time from going forward and then just get more stuff done. And I don't think that is what they intend you to do with that mechanic. I think they intend they just intend you to use that mechanic to to save those last couple of minutes to, to finish a quest or something. So I just, I stopped time too much. I kept time from going forward too much. And there's not enough emphasis on the fact that you need to do more stuff later in the game to get better abilities. That is important. And it, it is very important. And it's far more important than the emphasis than the, that the game places on it, which is none. So that's the point that I'm making about it. So, so you assumed that a game mechanic could break the game. So with and all of the context there, now that I know how to play Lightning Returns, after I put, I don't know, it's like 25 or 30 hours. Let me see. I'll look real quick. Because you played it on Steam. I played it on PS3, PlayStation 3. So I've got 51 hours in it. Now that's not all tied to one save and it does have a launcher. So at one, I know at least one day the launcher was open for like 10 hours. But let's say there's like 30 hours probably. In, in my save in Lightning Returns. Now that I know how to play the game, and I know kind of what the pacing of the game is supposed to be, I could go back in and I could probably have a really good experience with that game. That's a huge ask from, from anybody that wants to play the game. And the game is fun, but I'm not gonna play it again. I was so frustrated at the end when I had such a difficult time with the final boss in the final dungeon. Spoiler alert, it's Buna Velza is the final boss. Um, like I said, Jesus fights God. I was so fr I was so frustrated with my lack of power at the end because the game did not do a good job of telling me how to power up effectively. That I just pu I I put it down. I was like, all right, we did it. I'm done. I'm not coming back to this game 
I'm very I'm very sad at the state in which this game left me, especially when I was playing the game, and I was doing side quests for people, and it, I was like, man, this is like really this is really interesting. Like what's happening in this game is really interesting. So I it could the game could have been for me a total home run, but it wasn't. And that's kind of where I'm left with, with the game. Because you were bad at it. I was bad at it because the game did not do a good job of oh, making Oh, I see. I see how the tables... So I'm more than willing to admit that I was, I was terrible at the combat. I was. I still... I never got good at the combat. Ever. Um, I, got, I got, like, competent enough to complete the game. But I never got good. I never got good at the combat. Wait, you were, did? The, you beat the final boss? Yeah, there were la- yeah there were last ones that I never would have been able to beat ever again. The Earth Eater would have been a good example, but there were plenty of other ones as well that I would not have been able to beat. But, but I got competent at the combat, which is fine. I'll own that. I'll own not being good at that mechanic. But when when the game is so obtuse that it doesn't explain certain things well enough that are not a, an, they're not like a gamer execution thing. It's not me executing something correctly. It's me understanding, understanding how to like pace myself in the game. When the game doesn't do a good enough job explaining that, that one's not my fault. That's the game's fault. There was plenty that I wasn't good enough in this game to do. That was my fault. And that's plenty of games that I play. I'm more than willing to admit that. But I'm also, I also can understand when a game does not do a good job of explaining something. Wait, you beat the final boss. Why is that surprising? So then what are you complaining about? If if you were able to beat the game, I'm complaining then... because there's a, because there's other optional stuff in the game that I wasn't able to do. So, so that you I didn't... wanted that I wanted to do. There was stuff in the game that I wanted to do that I was unable to do. So you wanted to like get the strongest weapon and... Exactly. Yeah. And like see every I, I wanted to see everything the game had to offer because I liked it liked the world that the game was set in, but you were still but able also, to. Beat but it. I felt, but it, yes, but it, no, yeah, yeah, I was, yes, but I, that's not, that's still not like kind of the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is I, like, I didn't feel, I, I felt like it could have been better. I just felt like I could have, I could have paced it better. And like I said, I, I think I could get to the end of the game now if I started the whole thing over again. I can get to the end, it's the end of the game now and be like super strong because all my abilities would be powered up in a way that there's no, there was no way for me to power them up in this first playthrough of the game. And they are the most essential thing to the combat system is how strong your abilities are. Yeah. Interesting. I just, I get what you're saying. You felt like... And there was stuff, like there was an optional dungeon that I, there's no way I could have ever completed. One, because I, I wasn't good enough at the combat system, but two, because I just didn't have good enough abilities to complete it. So I, I ended up using f- more or less a strategy guide for a lot of the game because I I just didn't know where to go and, and what to complete. So I had that kind of help me along with the main quest and a lot of side quests. And there are some side quests you're not going to do without a strategy guide where you have to show up at Luxendark at this square between 1 and 3 p.m. between days 4 and 6. And that's the only oh, time yeah. that... Yeah, one other thing before you continue. The game does not tell you anywhere that you can fail side quests. I failed one, which I was really frustrated with. Same here. I failed yeah. a, a couple early in the game. Yeah, I literally failed one. And, and like, you can't... By the way, if it's failed, you can't do it. 
and you can't mm. get the stat increases from it. And it doesn't tell you that anywhere. You just fail it, and that's it. That kind of sucks. I, re- I remember being super annoyed about that because I only failed one or two, and it was at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, you were, but, you were talking. But anyway, but that, that does... So it would be nice if you knew that going into the game. It would be nice to know, oh, by the way, you can fail some of these. It'd be nice if they had a little window that said that at some point at the beginning of the game. But let's say you did know that. Then you're going in, and the stakes are higher. And I like that this game does feel like it has stakes. You know S-T-A-K-E-S, not S-T-E-A-K-S, right? Correct. It, might, it may have had delicious tenderloins as well. I'm not so sure. But it, it does give you this feeling that there's weight and there's gravity to everything you're doing. Because, again, like you talked about with the timing mechanic, it does add a, a layer of stress. And I think that contributes to the overall feel of the game and the atmosphere of the game, which is, again, everyone's been around for 500 years. People are starting to freak out a little bit. And th- there is a kind of an overcast feel and environment. And I, I think that, that it all works together pretty well, whether it's a fun game mechanic or really well executed, you know, or not, it's still it's still it still kind of contributes to that. So so I don't know. I, I think I think the stakes thing is good. Like I said, it'd be nice if they told you ahead of time, but but there are certain elements that I think r- really work together. But I use a strategy guide. I remember I got to the thirteenth day and I had a lot of powered up equipment and I strategy guided my way through a lot of it. And when I got to that, I don't think I beat the final dungeon either because it was ludicrously difficult. And I still had a really hard time on the final boss to the point where I actually had to go to an... And I again, I had high-leveled stuff. I had to go to an FAQ and see what's the best build for the final boss because you do customize your, your builds with their different equipment. And I had to follow that, and I still barely beat it. It's a very challenging final boss. I would I would compare it to Zeromus from Final Fantasy IV. It's, it is one of the hardest Final Fantasy games I've probably ever played, which is... That's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. So in the chat... I wanted to mention Vintage Gamer is still keeping up with us. Thanks for tuning in. And mentioned that you you said it's the most action-oriented game in the series, but argues that that would probably belong to Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, which, oh, I played that. That was the PSP game. That could be. And, I've, never, I've never played it. Yeah, and that, that, that pretty much is an action game. For for some reason, I consider 10 2 Thirteen two and Lightning Returns, Final Fantasy thirteen three, to be the real core main series spinoffs. I know Crisis Core exists. I know that the one with Vincent existed, the Dirge of Cerberus. I know there was a Final Fantasy twelve spinoff. There's Final Fantasy ten two. I don't think there was a twelve spinoff. There was a twelve. There was a twelve spinoff for Nintendo three DS about airships or something. Oh, really? Weird. Mm-hmm. So, but, but but what I'm saying is, I don't consider a lot of those games to be blockbuster Final Fantasy games. I consider 10-2, 13-2, and 13-3 to be blockbuster Final Fantasy games. So when we talk about you know having played every Final Fantasy game and their spinoffs, again, I would say 10-2, 13-2, and 13-3, they're the what I consider the main series, the real 
spin-off sequels, you know what I mean? Because they, they build on the previous games, and they felt like blockbusters to me. It was a big deal when they came out. The the Final Fantasy XII 3DS game, the PSP games, or any mobile game, and even Dirge of Cerberus and some of the other side ones. Uh, Final Fantasy IV, the after years, even, you know, a game you can get for $10 or $30 or $40 that isn't a big blockbuster 40 to 60 hour extravaganza. I consider those to Use the Final Fantasy license. It's like it's like the difference between the game being kind of a side story to the original game, and then a game being a continuation of the story of the mm-hmm. original game. Like all the Final Fantasy thirteen games continue the main story of that game. Yeah. Whereas like Dirge of Cerberus and Crisis Core, they're not extending Final Fantasy VII's story; they're telling side stories based in that universe. Yeah. So I would agree. Maybe Crisis Core is is more action oriented, but I consider it a side story, I guess, or a prequel, or or however that is. Um, but point taken. Not to argue with it, but I'm just kind of making the distinction in, in my mind. And and 15 is probably more action oriented than Lightning Returns. Although I will say I think Lightning Returns executed the battle system so much better because there is such a risk reward kind of a thing. And it does reward you for getting good at it. Yeah. Whereas, whereas it really does. Like there are some enemies where if like if you block correctly, you can get through battles without taking any damage at all. If you Yeah. If you block correctly. And then there's some enemies where so there's some enemies where you kind of have to stagger them. That's just a mechanic. It's a me- it's the name of a mechanic in the game. And the only way to stagger some enemies is to perfect block them, which is mm-hmm. blocking right when their attack hits you. That's the only way to stagger them. Mm-hmm. So like there are some really there are there are definitely systems in there where like if you execute them correctly, you are totally a hundred percent rewarded for it. Which I like. And in the chat, Vintage Gamer also mentions that it, regardless of some of the points that we've brought up, it is still one of his favorites of all time. Combat, mythos, story, soundtrack, and the final conclusion. I will say the soundtrack is unbelievable. Yeah, it. you know, it was really good. They late, So if you remember Final Fantasy XIII 2, they added vocals to like almost all of the songs in that game, which was really annoying. The vocals that they added, Final Fantasy Thirteen really dialed that back. There are only vocals in like one or two tracks of it, and then the rest was kind of. It kind of felt like the greatest hits of Final Fantasy Thirteen remixed. Is kind of what the way that they approached the soundtrack of it. It was very good. Of Lightning Returns, yeah, Lightning Returns basically we just went back and played a bunch of the original tracks from Final Fantasy Thirteen, oftentimes remixed in some way. There was a lot recycled, but there was there was plenty of new content as well. I thought was I thought was really good. So I will agree the soundtrack was phenomenal. And I will say, I would agree with Vintage Gamer. I still would put Lightning Returns above Final Fantasy Thirteen Two. I would probably put it above Final Fantasy Twelve because I didn't particularly enjoy that game. I know you did, and I would definitely put it ahead of Final Fantasy Fifteen. I would play i would replay lightning returns in a heartbeat before having to replay final fantasy 15 before having to trudge and slog through that embarrassment of a video game that ruined my life this seems like an exaggeration that's that's all that's all i've got i that was a long it was a long talk about lightning returns but yeah it for those of you that haven't played it i think it's worth playing but it is one of the few games that I would put the caveat of get 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 an actual strategy guide or or read up on how to play the game first. 
uh, yeah. how to best play the game first and play know, the game that way. Know what to, know kind of what to expect. Exactly. Because, because you can, it, it is a game that can, you can put yourself in a corner where you, you will lock yourself out of some things if you don't do play it correctly. And that's, that's not a thing that happens in a lot of games, especially in the Final Fantasy series. Certainly not in JRPGs at all. Yeah, I suppose that's true. In disc four, I mean, if you missed some stuff in discs two or three, you were kind of out of luck. So not not as prominent, but there is some side stuff where yeah. where that would happen. So so it's been known to happen. This isn't the first game where that's happened. But I agree. I think it's still worth playing. And I've become a big fan lately of the what to know before playing kind of stuff because I hate wasting time in games. And I have found there have been a couple games recently, somewhat recently, where I've done something the slow way or the long way, and there's a shortcut to do them, let's say, or there's something regarding equipment maybe that I don't know about that is just hugely helpful to know, or, you know, this weapon will be the best weapon to use for certain situations. Not a a strategy guide kind of thing, not a specific how to play the game exactly, but just a couple things to keep in mind so that, for example, in, in Final Fantasy 15, if there's an item you really need for the end of the game, I would hate to sell that item, you know, in the shop as soon as I get it. Right. Stuff like that. Just things like hang on to your items or don't hang on to your items or convert these things because, you know, you could end up hoarding resources in a game and then it turns out you didn't need them at all or, or vice versa. So I, I agree. I, I, I like the idea these days of doing that. I did that with Breath of the Wild as well. And uh, there wasn't a lot you need to know ahead of time, but, you know, I just took a quick glance. It, spoiler free, it doesn't ruin an experience for you, but I think that's a really smart thing to do before playing games. And I think that you're dumb for not doing it. Last point is that uh, there, there is an easy and a normal mode. Easy mode basically doesn't really change anything at all. Uh, it just makes some of the consequences of failing certain things way less. So if you fail a combat, you don't lose any time in easy mode. I would probably, I played the game on normal the first time that I played it. I'd probably play it on easy uh, the next time that I played it. It doesn't seem like it would detract at all from the game. It seems like it'd make it less frustrating. So also something to think about when you win and if you play the game for the first time. Can we also talk about how you can dress lightning up in sexy outfits? No, I think that we're probably done. I really, I really want to think about those. I outfits. don't think we need to talk about this. I think I'm going to stop the broadcast and go think about those outfits. I think you could probably do that. I'm going to furiously think about those outfits. It's gross. I'm going to aggressively think about and look on the internet. It's getting worse. At pictures of lightning in different outfits. It's getting worse. Dot Tumblr.com. Dot Rule Thirty Four.